Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Warmer for the Evo. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Dylan Rockford. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Taking a look at a little bit of everything. He does a great job on the NFL front. I know that he does a little bit with regards to UFC at X-Pick Kicks and so much more. And his main beat right now is taking a look at the MLB. We're going to be talking with him about some of these teams that have been sort of up and down. Like the St. Louis Cardinals, they get off to a really rough start to the season. Maybe they'll pick it up. The New York Yankees offense was non-existent for the first month of the season. They've really been able to do a nice job recently as well. So we're going to be asking about how he evaluates teams like that. We're going to be diving into quite a few games for Saturday as well. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we do touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to send. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had an awesome day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Now, typically I don't have decent shows on Friday and Saturday. This weekend and next weekend are an exception. So I do need to do this a little bit ahead of time as my show is from midnight to 3 for this Friday night slash early Saturday morning if you're out there on the East Coast. Midnight to 3 Eastern time, so we're going to have a little bit of cleanup on the podcast to do tomorrow, but let's take a look at this as we saw the New York Yankees get it done against the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 6-2 to two as for the Yankees. Clark Schmidt, not a bad start. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings before you have Juani Peralta, Albert Abreu, Jimmy Cordero, and Nick Ramirez all end a scoreless inning. Aaron Judge goes deep again, gets his 13th home run season. Anthony Rizzo is able to get his 10th as for Mr. Aaron Judge. That gives him now, I believe, five home runs over the course of his last five games. Meanwhile, for Cincinnati, you had Ben Lively give up that home run to uh, Mr. Aaron Judge. Not a terrible start for him as he gives up that home run, two runs in total, 
over the course of five and two-thirds innings. From there, Ian Gabo, he gives up a run in one and a third innings. It was Alex Young who came in for a squirrel setting from there before Silvano Baracho. He gives up three runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning, and then you do get an out of the bullpen from Alan Buznitz. And then you saw the Milwaukee Brewers lose 1-0 to the Tampa Bay Rays as it was a sacrifice fly by Francisco Mejia that turned out to be the difference as for Shane McClanahan, he was stealing once again for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Milwaukee Brewers are currently dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game on the road. That certainly continued. How about this for a tough luck no decision for Adrian Hauser? Six scoreless settings against the Tampa Bay Rays. Joe Pyops goes for a scoreless setting before Peter Strzelecki gives up that run in the eighth inning for the Milwaukee Brewers. They go 0 of 9 with men in scoring position for McClanahan. Seven shutout innings before Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks. They're able to come in with flawless eighth and ninth innings. We do have to do some of these as they are still going on, but I feel very secure in saying that the Pittsburgh Pirates have gotten the job done against the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is currently a game that's in the bottom of the eighth inning. The Pirates are up 13 to three, and really, what's of note from this game, Zach Gallon got completely destroyed. The Pirates that came into this game scoring four runs or fewer in 14 out of their last 15 games. Gallon gives up eight runs, five of which were earned in three and two-thirds innings. That shows how crazy baseball can sometimes be. Anthony Michevich then gives up three runs in one and a third innings. It got so bad. Jose Herrera, the backup catcher, had to come in for the bottom of the eighth inning as just one home run in this game. Brian Reynolds, sixth home run season off of Michevich. You did have two scoreless innings out of Luis Frias as well. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they did get a pretty rock-solid start out of Yohan Oviedo. Gives up a solo home run over the course of six innings as Geraldo Perdomo. Able to get his fourth home run season from there. Dwayne Underwood Jr. Gave up two runs while getting just one out of the bullpen before Yohan Ramirez was able to sum the tide. Got five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. The DK Nation write-up pick should get there. Currently in the eighth inning of Cubs versus Phillies. Took the Cubs on the money line. They're up by kind of eight to one. If the Cubs don't get there, I'm going to declare this one to be a very, very bad beat, but... The Cubs were able to change Ranger Suarez very early in this game. For Suarez, he goes two innings, gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Did not look like himself. From there, Jeff Hoffman goes for two scoreless innings. And then Eric Yeoman, not helped out by his defense. He gives up four runs in an inning, only one of which was earned. Trey Turner, a bad fielding error before Andrew Vasquez was able to enter scoreless innings. And now Craig Kimbrell's in the game. That doesn't mean anything good for the Philadelphia Phillies. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman... Lights out for the Chicago Cubs. Gives up one run in the first inning, and that's it. Over the course of his six innings in total, Julie Merriweather has pitched a scoreless inning ever since then. The Atlanta Braves were able to get a 6-2 win over the Seattle Mariners. For the Mariners, not necessarily what they were hoping for out of their bullpen as Bryce Miller goes six and a third innings, gives up three runs, many of them coming in the seventh inning as he gave up a pair there. And for the Seattle Mariners, they just have had a tough time moving the line all season long, and for Bryce Elder, another good start. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. From there, Nick Anderson, Rossi Iglesias, Colin McHugh. They all lend a scoreless inning as Marcel Ozuna was the man that was really able to power the team to victory. Gets three RBI in this one. And then you had Matt Olson be able to get his 12th home run season. That comes off of Justin Topo, who gave up three runs in a third of an inning. You also had Trevor Gott. He came in for a third of an inning. He was able to keep it clean there before Taylor Saucedo comes in for a scoreless setting. And 
for Atlanta. Rare under for them as they entered into the day. 26 overs, 17 unders, and a push. They have been one of the top over teams in all of baseball. No idea how the top under team in baseball did as the San Diego Padres. They're just getting going against the Boston Red Sox. We're going to need to do cleanup on that. Marlins versus Giants along with the Twins versus Angels game tomorrow because they're very early going and do need to record this a little bit in advance. Looks like the Rangers should be able to get by against the Colorado Rockies. Up by count of 72 going into the bottom of the eighth inning and for the Colorado Rockies. Haven't been able to get too much off of Martin Perez as he gave up two runs over the course of seven innings before you had Joe Barlow coming out of the bullpen. He's been able to get a scoreless inning since I started this podcast. Adelise Garcia, he continues to stay out. 14th home run season that comes off of Carl with a K. Goffman who made his MLB debut at north of a 70 RA at the minor league level. Now he's got an 831 ERA at the big league level. Give it up that home run. Five runs, four of which were earned. Give it up in four and a third innings. Peter Lambert from there has given up two runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings. So for the Colorado Rockies, that one is looking a little bit less than savory. The Chicago White Sox are able to shut out the Kansas City Royals. This by a count of two to zero as for the Royals. Just absolutely nothing doing for this offense. They entered into the top of the ninth inning with just one hit overall for the night. As Zach Greinke, not a bad start. Gives up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. From there, Jackson Cower was able to give you two and a third inning scoreless. But Michael Kopech, one hit allowed in eight scoreless innings. No logs and ten punch outs before Kendall Graveman closes the door in the ninth inning. Not something I thought we were going to see, but it's something that we have seen. And right now what we're seeing is the LA Dodgers dominating the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a game that's going into the bottom of the seventh inning with the Dodgers up by kind of one to zero. Tony Gonsolin gives up one hit over the course of his five scoreless innings. We're starting to off from there as given up nothing in his inning of work. And for the LA Dodgers, by the way, they are right now working with going two of 14 with men in scoring position. So that has been a little bit less than savory for them as Steven Matz gives up one unearned run in four two-thirds innings. Found himself in a lot of danger, but was not helped out by Nolan Arenado. Throwing air from there, Andre Bellante and Jordan Nix have been able to hold down the fort going for two and a third inning scoreless. So we shall see what happens on that one for the Astros. They're currently up by a count of four to one against the Oakland A's, and I do not think that the Oakland A's are going to be able to come back in this one as for Ken Waldachuk. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned, including a home run going deep for the Houston Astros. Kyle Tucker for his seventh home run of the season. Brandon Belak, a very good start. Nine punch-outs, gives up one run in five innings before Phil Mayton and Rafael Montero to this point have given up nothing in their scoreless settings of work. And this is something that I'm going to need to clean up as well. With the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Metropolitans, this is a game that is currently in extra innings as Things have went completely harebrained. The Cleveland Guardians in this game got up by a count of 5-0 and then 7-3. Pete Alonso goes deep for a grand slam in the 7th inning. He currently leads the league in home runs as that is number 17 of the season. And then in extra innings, you saw Gabriel Arias get his third home run season off of Drew Smith as Carlos Carrasco really tried to light this game on fire. For the New York Mets, a lot of home run to Josh Naylor. 7th home run season for Carrasco. Gives up 5 runs of 5 innings from there. Dominic Leon has given up two runs at innings. Steven Negosic, Tommy Hunter. They both have combined for a scoreless inning. Adam Onovino, David Robertson, Drew Smith. They all went for an inning as Smith allowed two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th. Currently doing this with two outs at the bottom of the 10th. And Emmanuel Classe trying to get this to an 11th as Cal Quantrill. A lot of pair of home runs in three and a third innings. And the Mets just won it by a count of 10 to 9. 
That means that the Cleveland Guardians are now 22-4 and in Cal Quantrill's last 26 regular season starts. As for Quantrill, he did allow a home run to Francisco Alvarez, fifth home run season, and Brett Batty is fifth home run season, but overall not a bad start. It's really the bullpen that lit this one on fire. Sam Hentages gives up three runs in a third of an inning. James Karinchek, he allows a home run in his ending of work. That one to Pete Alonso as the inherited runners went to Sam Entiches, Aniel de los Santos, Trevor Steven, a squirrel setting, and Emmanuel Classe gives up three runs, two of which were earned in the 10th inning. And now the Cleveland Guardians, 16 overs, 26 unders, and two pushes. They are the second-best under team in all of baseball at this point. And just taking a look at the Washington Nationals, not great for them, to say the least, on Friday as they lose to the Detroit Tigers. This by a count of 8-6 to six for Matthew Boyd. And let's say the most savory of starts gives up three runs of five and two thirds innings, including a home run to Lane Thomas, the sixth home run season, then Kibe Ruiz will go deep off of Mason Englert for his fourth home run season. Englert gives up three runs in a third of an inning, but Jason Shreve was able to end a squirrel setting, and then Jason Foley, Alex Lang. They both deliver a combined two squirrel settings, both of these guys, book 50 or better in terms of their ERA. And for the Detroit Tigers, a team that doesn't get a lot of homers, they got four of them on this day as Jake Irvin allows one to Akil Badu his first of the season. Zach McKinstry is sixth. And then Thaddeus Ward gives up a home run to Riley Green his fourth home run season. Hobie Harris gives one up to Matt Veerling his third of the campaign. For Hobie Harris, he gives up one run in two and a third innings, so not bad there. Thaddeus Ward just gives up the one home run in two innings, and Andres Machado goes for two scoreless innings, but Jake Irvin, six runs, four of which were earned in his two and two-thirds innings, so not necessarily too terrific there, and if you're looking trend-wise at Major League Baseball right now, we have been noticing that things have been going back upward a little bit more in terms of scoring. It's been topsy-turvy all season long, but if you take a look at the last seven days, we've seen 44 overs, 38 unders, with quite a few games for Friday still pending in terms of that count. So about 53.5% of games going over the total. Favorites, they've been able to do quite solid on the money line in this time as well. 53 and 32 straight up, but they've been having a tough time on the run line. 16 out of these 53 teams, they have been unable to cover that run line, and that's really been a theme of the season. As favorites overall, 387 and 276 straight up, that is 58.4% on the money line, but we have now seen 101 favorites that win outright, not be able to cover that run line, and overall for the season, 321 overs to 319 under, so relatively 50-50 there. That's what we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Friday. Now let's turn it forward to Saturday with one of our good friends, as Dylan Rockford. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're going to get his thoughts on Saturday's games and gauging teams that have been a little bit up and down this season that might be ascending slash declining at this time of year. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man at Zone Rockford. He does great work taking a look at the game of baseball over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I know that his main thing over there is baseball, but I know that he does a great job contributing over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on the NFL front as well. You're able to catch up on the Dream Wager along with X Kicks Picks as well for all of you guys that are fans of MMA as well. So he does a great job on a wide variety of fronts. And to be able to follow Dylan Rockford on Twitter, that is at Rock with two Ks and then the number 24 all together. And Dylan 
It is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here, Greg. We're about 44 games, 45 games into the season. And man, it's been a good one so far. I know you and I talked about last time we were on just about, you know, some of the rule changes and whatnot. And, you know, I think through new rule changes, they've been working and doing exactly what baseball wants, which is more offense. You know, scoring has gone up from 8.40 runs to about nine runs per game. More overs, which we could talk about in a little overs are up from about 47% to 50%. Home runs are up. Aaron Judge just hit another one. So that's seven home runs in seven games. So he's absolutely raking the ball right now. Yes, he certainly is. And what do you make out of some of these teams that we have seen a little bit of reversal? Because we noticed with the New York Yankees, their offense was struggling very mightily to begin the season. I mean, no coincidence that it picks up right when Aaron Judge is able to get back in the full, but that was the team through the first month of the season. They were one of the best under teams in all of baseball. Now we've seen them go over a lot. A team like the St. Louis Cardinals, they were the worst team in the National League through the first month of the season. Last two weeks or so, they've been able to pick it up as well. What do you make out of some of these teams that they either got off to super hot starts the first month of the year and they've regressed over the last two weeks, or in the case of the Yankees and the Cardinals, got off to rough starts, and now they're starting to ascend. Yeah, Cardinals. We could talk about one of their games for Saturday. They've kind of turned things around 8-2 and two in their last 10, but, you know, they're still last in their division. I don't really trust them. Boston, another team that kind of started slow out of the gate. Now they're a very profitable team, especially towards the over. Oakland, like we mentioned last time, they're very profitable. Chicago Cubs, that's a team we talked about last time I was on. They were very good out of the gate. They've kind of regressed a little about 2-8 and eight in their last 10, so those are some of the teams that I've been looking at and just really profiting on the overs, like I mentioned, with teams like Boston. I mean, if you're not betting over, especially at Fenway, I, I don't really know. Boston, Texas, Oakland, because they're just awful. Atlanta, Tampa Bay, the best team in baseball right now. So those are some of the teams I'm looking at, especially towards the total-wise. Yeah, it has been so interesting to take a look at some of these teams towards these totals. And I mean, how about if we get another team that we've seen a reversal on as well as joining me on the podcast? We do have Dylan Rockford of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. What do you make out of a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates that they had the best record in the National League through four weeks of the season going into Friday? They had scored four runs or fewer in 14 out of their last 15 games. And I have to believe they're not quite that bad on offense. I don't think in their next 15 games, they're going to score four runs or fewer in 14 of them, but clearly they weren't the team that they were towards the beginning part of the season. At the same time, I think that maybe a little too much regression has come and they're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, they're somewhere in the middle. I still have them ranked in my power rankings around 15th, 16th. So right in the middle of the pack. But yeah, you're right. Even without O'Neill Cruz, we thought they would come out and regress a little bit, but they actually did the opposite and they were getting better. What are they, three and seven in their last 10? So they're not playing the best baseball. Like you mentioned, they're not scoring, but they did just score eight runs against the Tigers the other night on the road, had a nice shutout out win so you know offensively they regressed a little bit they're 19th in the league in batting average but they still steal bases they're fifth in triples they get on base they're fourth in walks as well so they're not as bad as i would think they are but they are definitely regressing sitting at 23 and 20 right now yeah they certainly have and it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be able to respond moving forward because i see feel like we've seen some of the best of them and we certainly have seen the worst of them and I still do think that there's a lot of opportunities to the under with the Pirates as well because I take a look at the game for Saturday with Mitch Keller going and 
he has been really one of the more impressive pitchers in the big leagues thus far this season. 5-1 record. He's picked up a lot of velocity on his fastball. As a result, he's been able to get a lot of swings and misses. Goes up against Brandon Fout on the other side, who I really don't have a lot of faith in. He looked better in his last start, and I don't think that he's going to be giving up the 13 runs and nine and two-thirds innings like he did in his first two starts. That said, I take a look at this spot with the Pittsburgh Pirates being right around a minus 130, and even though their offense has been in a big, giant rut, I'm willing to trust them in this spot. Yeah, 100%. I do like the Pirates here, but I like the total a little better, like you mentioned, and I was able to grab a nine earlier in the day around minus 120, minus 125, so a little chalky, but even the eight and a halfs I see out there, I still like the under. I made my total 8.1, so in earlier in the season, I was still waiting for Mitch Keller to regress, but he's been proving me wrong every outing. He's been really good this season, especially at home, 3-0 and with the two ERA. He's only given up six runs in 27 innings. Batters hitting 194 off of him. And, you know, the D-backs, they're a good team as of late, but they're beating up the lower-ranking teams, the Giants, the Athletics. So I don't know how to put too much into it. Pirates are a much better club, in my opinion. They got a nice shutout, like I mentioned the other night, against the Tigers. Coming back home, I think, with Keller, he'll have some success against the Snakes. So 4-5 and five toward the under their last 10 games for the Pirates. I'm going to be on the under if you could still get a 9. Yep, absolutely. And like you said, I thought that this total... I mean, if it was anything above an eight, I was going to be in on the under. So, I mean, in eight and a half, a nine, I am right there with you. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Joe Rockford, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And you were mentioning it a little bit before with liking overs with the Boston Red Sox. Now they go up against one of the top under teams in all of baseball yeah. in the San Diego Padres. And we've got a pair of former all-stars on the mound that currently don't look like all-stars. Joe Musgrove going for the Padres. Chris Sale going for the Boston Red Sox, currently seeing a total of eight with the Padres being a minus 130 favorite. What do you make out of this spot? Because it is a east to west road trip for the Boston Red Sox. This is going to be a late first pitch time for them. That said, it has been a case for the Padres. They're currently hitting a buck 96 with men in scoring position. There has been no team in MLB history that has hit below 200 with runners in scoring position. So, I have to believe that just on accident alone, this number is going to be going up for them. And for Chris Sale, I feel like he's honestly pitched a little bit better than his 540 ERA, but I've not been impressed by either of these starters at all. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the offense. They had another players only meeting the Padres. Something has to change. You know, Manny Machado out of the fold, but he didn't want to go on the IL. So I don't really know what's going on. But like I mentioned earlier, if you're not cashing the Red Sox overs, I don't know, 29 and 13 toward the over. They're the best team toward the over 69%. It's crazy. Now, on the other hand, like you mentioned, the Padres are the best team toward the under 14, 28 and two toward the under 66%, but a total of eight. And now I'm even seeing seven and a halfs out there at some shops. I mean, I got to take the over just on principle. I made my line 8.9. Chris Sale on the road has not been good. Three or more runs given up in each of his starts on the road. And I'm not the biggest Joe Musgrove fan either. You know, Red Sox, they rake against righties, hitting 274 off of them. I just think this game turns into a slugfest. It favors the better hitting team, which is the Red Sox. And I think they're also live in this spot. Something's wrong with this Padres. I'm not ready to back them. For Saturday, I got to back the over, and I think the Red Sox are live once again. Yeah, it's been a really rough year for the San Diego Padres thus far, entering into the series 20-24. and 24. So... That has been relatively grody, and I think that handicapping this team is one of the more difficult things to do. 
It's the Minnesota Twins, and they're going to be on the road going up against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval just is not getting a lot of swings and misses, but he's doing a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Goes for the Angels against Louis Varlin of the Minnesota Twins, actually. Home state kid for the Minnesota Twins. And right now with the Twins, we're finding them as a very slight underdog, right around about a plus 105, plus 110 in a lot of spots. And the reason why it's so difficult to gauge the Twins is that they have been tremendous with their pitching. They also entered into Friday hitting 20 points lower than any other American League team on the road as well. Where do you lean in terms of this one? Because I love the Twins pitching, but this hitting, it needs to pick it up. And now they're dealing with injuries to both Joey Gallo and Ori Polanco. You hit it on the head. This team is so hard to get a gauge on because you got a nice one-two punch in Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and... They just don't hit. They just really don't hit. And I got to lean with the Angels here at home with Sandoval on the mound. I see a minus 125 over at DraftKings. And I definitely thought they'd be a bigger favorite, to be honest. Uh, I made the Angels a minus 140 favorite. So I think they do have the pitching advantage with Sandoval on the mound. I'm not really a a fan of Louis Varlin. I love the name. But Twins, like you mentioned, they're not a good hitting team in general, especially against lefties. So I think this is a good spot for the Angels with one of their better pitchers on the mound. So I'll take the Angels on the money line at this short price at home. Absolutely. I do think that it's going to be really interesting to gauge this one. And I think that this is going to be another classic spot where as long as we have those eight and a half standing up, I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Bill Rockwell. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And we always look for fades. And Patrick Corbett has been one of those old reliable ones. And Currently, we're finding him as a slight favorite, and I don't think he's the biggest fade on the board anymore. I will give you who I do think is a bigger fade in a minute, but between minus 110 to a minus 115 is what we're finding Patrick Corbin going up against the Tigers at Alex Fiedo. Not sure what you make out of this one, but I think that Patrick Corbin is worthy of being the favorite, and I'm willing to lay the short price with him. Yeah, I think the Nationals should definitely be a favorite. I made them a minus 120 favorite. See a minus 104, minus 105, so shop around. It's a stay away game, but if you had to bet it, I actually would take the over. I, I see nines out there. I made my total 9.4. I'm actually going to fade both pitchers here. Corbin, he has pitched well uh, better in the month of May, but still nowhere near ready for me to back him. I got to see a little more from him and Fayedo as well. So this is going to be his third start of the season for the Tigers and they've lost his first two starts so I understand why you would be on the Nationals I would be on the Nationals too I think they're the better hitting team as well and we also have seven mile an hour winds blowing out into center field so love the over I think we see a lot of runs and I do think the Nationals get it done here at home yeah Ben I do think that if we are going to be able to get the over it's sort of going to be one of those death by a million cuts sort of things that yeah. Both of these teams are having a very tough time cranking out the deep ball. I don't think there's anyone in this game that has north of five home runs entering into the weekend, which that's pretty hard to do when you've got a late May series. But the guy that I'm referring to, because I said that there's a bigger fate on the board than Patrick Corbin, Jordan Lyles going for the Kansas City Royals. The Royals have lost every one of his starts as far this season. I believe all but one of them have been by multiple runs now. With the Chicago White Sox, they have been in the pit of misery this year. It has been a really bad go of it for them. But Lucas Lito has honestly pitched okay for them. The White Sox are a minus 175 to a minus 180 favorite. And I don't think that it should be routine that the White Sox are this big of a favorite. But until I see otherwise... 
Jordan Lyles, unless he's going up against the Oakland A's or something like that, and like Ken Waldachuk, I just can't trust him in this spot. No, neither can I. I honestly thought they'd be a bigger favorite. I, I had them over a $2 favorite. I made the White Sox and had a bet with me and my buddy on the MLB SGPN pod where we had a two-week fade of the White Sox, and it was very profitable. It's either the White Sox team total, if you could get a four, four and a half, or the White Sox first five minus a half. I mean, like you said, Jordan Lyles is so bad. The Royals have lost every single start he's made, 0-9, 22 runs given up on the road. There's no way I feel like I could advise anyone to put their hard-earned money on the Royals. I, I don't feel the best backing the White Sox either. Lucas Giolito hasn't been the worst at home, but I'd rather avoid the bullpen since both bullpens are awful. I'd rather just back the White Sox in the first five minus a half, and I like their team total. If you could get a four, four and a half, I'd do like that over. I mean, with Jordan Lyles, my goodness. <laughs> the team has lost every single one of his starts. Just not good, to say the least, my friend, as he has given up at least four runs at each out of his last eight. Count them, eight starts. So wow. It has been, yeah, it's been really, really bad for them. But what is always good is getting you on this podcast. And Dylan, I want to give you the floor right now. Is there any game that we have not touched upon that you're going to be looking at? And it doesn't even need to be a bet. It could be a game that you're just taking a look at. You want to gauge these teams, maybe to find out a little bit more about them moving forward. But is there a game or two that we have yet to talk about that you're really going to be keeping your eye on for Saturday? Yeah, I got two if we got time. I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm going to take the Astros team total over four, four and a half, or the run line here, whatever you can get. That's the only way I play this game. You know, I was talking about it on the MLB pod yesterday on SGPN, and I just feel like the Astros are going to destroy the athletics this weekend. Astros coming into this series after a nice sweep against the Cubs. Jose Altuve is back in the fold. You know, Bregman has kind of found his rhythm. They have Jordan Alvarez, Tucker. He's solid. I think McCormick is a good player as well. Not a lot of people are on him. I think he's pretty good. You know, this team has so many weapons. The A's have allowed four or more runs in 15 straight games. I just see runs and runs, and I think the Astros get over their team total. J.P. Sears is awful on the road, so I'll be on the Astros team total over in this game. That's one of my favorite plays. And then a dog. I mean, I just don't understand this price. It's dog or pass for me. Seeing the Rockies at a plus 168, I already bet that. That I don't feel like that's a bad price at all for the Rockies, who, in my opinion, I think they're playing competitive baseball recently, 6-4 and four in their last 10. I know I'm breaking my own rule we talked about it you know back in the Rockies on the road but I just can't get away from this number Rockies they've been swinging the bat well but when it comes to when it comes down to it I believe in Kyle Freeland a little more than I do John Gray you know John Gray's kind of been hit around at home this season I don't think the Rangers should be this big of a favorite I don't trust their bullpen they always blow the lead so I only made the Rangers a minus 150 favorite like my dog of the day it has to be the Rockies on the road plus 168. Kyle Freeland has been able to do a very good job just with his road starts in general the last few seasons. Could not get there with Carl Kaufman yesterday. (laughs) I mean, our good friend Carl was posting up a 775 ERA in the PCL. That's a little bit of a rough take there. But that said, I do think that that is a very interesting game to take a look at as John Gray. Strikeout numbers way down with him, but we are way up on you, Dylan. I know you do great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, so... 
Love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and all people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, thanks again for having me. You guys can follow me on Twitter at rockwith2ks24. I'm also on the MLB SGPN podcast. We go about five, six days a week covering every game. Football season right around the corner as well. I have my own pod as well, the Dream Wager and MMA Axe Kick Pick. So you guys can follow me all along there. I post my uh, plays on Twitter for free. So yeah, thanks again, Greg, and love talking baseball with you. And Dylan Rockford does a terrific job taking a look at a little bit of everything, whether it is MMA, NFL, MLB, does it all over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and every time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like today. So big thanks to Dylan for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast at WBX. It is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we catch them all. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to get Dylan Rockford aboard. Does a great job over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network taking a look at the great game of baseball. I know he does a great job with the Dream Wager as well, which you're able to find wherever your podcast was. Great to be able to take a look at some of the games for today and what he's all identifying, and every single time he joins this podcast, one's tremendous insight. So, big thanks to Dylan for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MOB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNET underscore one We are going to go in Las Vegas rotation or this is where... We go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies as Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phillies and Jameis Tatiyan on the bump for the Cubs. Nine is the total. Unders minus 120. The overs even between minus 160 and minus 166. The number on the Phillies. Plus 140 to plus 150 is your number on the Cubs. And with the Phillies, set the minus 172 on the money line. Need at least a plus 112 to lay a run and a half with them. Finding that anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 120 would rather be taking that plus price on the run line rather than the money line as it is getting a little bit chalky. And just don't have any faith here in Jamison Tyon. 6-6-6 ERA. That is not good. He has given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts and five out of his six 
overall. Now, he hasn't given up more than four runs thus far this season, but he's just been completely off-kilter with Darnie or everything, really, except for command. Seven walks in 24 in the third innings, but opponents are a 297 off of him. Strikeout numbers are honestly a little bit better than they were last year. Last year, he was getting about seven punch outs per nine innings, but still, I think that because it is a small sample size, he spent some time on the injured list, that's going to be going southward. And for Aaron Nolley, he just has not been himself thus far this season. Typically, he's a far better pitcher at home than a 4.34 ERA. He's been a little bit better than that on the road with a 4.62, but he just has been ineffective all over the place. His home runs per nine rate is about 1.1, 1.2, and to his credit, he's not walking a lot of guys. Right around 2.3 walks per nine innings, but the strikeout numbers are below eight per nine. That has been an issue. Now with the Phillies, they've got the better bullpen ERA, but they are currently dealing with an injury to Jose Alvarado. That said, I like what Connor Brogdon has been able to bring to the table. He and Andrew Vasquez been a pair of surprises with a sub-275 ERA. Gregory Soto's been a little bit of a mess. Craig Kimbrell has been absolutely terrible. I mean, I don't understand why he's employed, and yet this bullpen is still better than that of the Cubs that entered into Friday 25th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. They're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Brian Boxberger. I personally don't think that's too much of a loss. And Mark Leiter Jr., Albert Elzelay. They've been able to give you about a 2 ERA, but the real issues for this team have been the long guy in Javier Asad has not been good. Michael Former is rocking a 7.50 ERA right now. Brandon Hughes has opened himself. Now with the Cubs, they lead the National League in terms of road batting average and road on base percentage, but they don't necessarily have a lot of power hitters. They had one guy in the lineup yesterday with north of six home runs of Patrick Wisdom, and he's really been their worst hitter, hitting about a 238 in terms of average. Got a lot of guys that are hitting a 300 or greater. Nico Horner, Ian App, along with Christopher Morel, all entered into yesterday, hitting above a 300 with Happ well over a 400 on base. And C.A. Suzuki has been rock solid since coming back, hitting about a 285. I like the rebirth of Cody Bellinger, but he's been a little bit in and out of the fold as well. Meanwhile, for the Phillies, I do think that Bryce Harper is going to be able to pick it up with the power numbers. Just two home runs entering into yesterday, but he and Nick Cassianos both hitting above 300, along J.T. Riamuto, who's been solid. Really the only guy that's not hitting for average for the Philadelphia Phillies is Kyle Schwarber. He was the only player in the starting lineup yesterday. Hitting below a 260, just buck 75, but he's also the only guy in the starting lineup with worth of five home runs at 10. So you do have your ups and downs with both of these lineups. That said, I do think that Aaron Nola is going to be up around in a form. Jameson Tyon, to his defense, he's been a little bit unlucky this year. He's not a great pitcher, but he doesn't deserve a 660 ERA. I did set my total at an 8.6 as a result. I'm going to be going under on 9, but with the Phillies, I do think that they still do have by far the better start here in Aaron Nola. And I do think that Harper is going to be able to pick it up with those numbers in general in terms of power. So I'm going to be willing to take the Phillies on the run line to go along with this total under. 903-904 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants play also Miami Marlins as you've got Braxton Garrett on the bump for the fish. And it is a Logan Webb who's on the bump for the Giants. The Giants favorites of anywhere between minus 160 to a minus 170 between plus 145 and plus 150 is the price on the fish. Eight is the total. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 125. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Marlins, need at least a plus 164 to take a shot on them. We're starting to get out of range in terms of the Giants' money line. If you are taking a look at that run line, though, you're going to be finding that right around about a plus 125. I was willing to take a plus 118 or greater in this ordeal, so I'm going to be taking a look at that run line with Logan Webb. He just has always been so dominant at home. For his career, he's giving up about a half a home run per nine innings at home. 
his ERA at home, and this is for the entirety of his career. It is sub three. Meanwhile, when he goes on the road, that's when things get to be a little bit testy as his career ERA at home is at 291, 398 on the road. So I do think that that is a very important note. And Logan Webb, he's always done a relatively solid job in terms of command as well. Thus far this season, he's been a little bit of a victim of bad luck as he's given up fewer than two walks per nine innings, yet he's got a record of three and five despite the fact that his ERA hovering right around 320. Now a little bit of this is due to the fact that San Francisco is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, so he's not going to get as much run support there, but that said, he deserves a little bit of a better fate than he's gotten because his defense has let him down a little bit. Meanwhile, for Braxton Garrett, he certainly deserves better than a 540 ERA as well. He's giving up right around about 1.6, 1.7 home runs per nine innings, which is a little bit of an issue. The contact rate has been rough, but at the same time, he is giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He's been able to get some swings and misses, and he's actually been far better on the road than he has been at home. 750 home area, 338 ERA on the road. Balls in play have not been his friend whatsoever. His opponents are hitting right on a 360 off of him, and I do think that there is going to be a little bit of positive progression with him. So I did sell my total of 7.3. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. As a matter of fact, the uh, fielding independent of Braxton Garrett of 420, which is 1.2 points lower than his ERA. Now, you take a look at this Miami Marlins bullpen, and it has been a little bit rough, but they do get back JT Chargois. Losing AJ Puck is a little bit rough, but Steven Okert has been able to give you sub-3 ERA. Uskar Brazobin seeing a little bit of regression, but it is better than that of the San Francisco Giants. Giants bullpen has just been a hot mess. You've got Camilo Duvall giving you a sub-3 ERA, but you got so many guys like Taylor Rogers, Tristan Beck, Scott Alexander. They're giving you north of a 475 ERA, but with the Giants, good power numbers. Entered into yesterday, number four in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game. You're probably not going to have a single guy give you north of 30 home runs, but you can see seven to eight guys give you 20 plus. As right now, you've got essentially, I believe now, eight different guys that have at least five home runs for this team. You do have some guys that do a good job of moving the line as well, like J.D. Davis, 360 on base, Ario Estrada, 363 on base. Both have between six and seven home runs thus far this season. You've been able to get some really good production as well out of Blake Sobel. He's hitting right around 280. He's been able to supply five home runs. You do have a few guys like Brandon Coffer, David Vr, Mitch Hanniger. They've been able to give you some homers, but they're in below the Medellin's line of 200 for the Miami Marlins. It's been a very top-heavy lineup, which is why they are towards the bottom of the National League in terms of runs per game. Now, Ore Soler is up to 11 home runs, and he's just smoking balls. He is just advanced numbers in the way that he's able to barrel balls up towards the top of the big leagues. And just a 230, I think that that's going to go northward. Then you do have Jazz Chisholm give you seven home runs, but a 291 on base, and these are the only two guys on the roster with worth of four home runs. You do have Luis Rice hitting a 378, and been able to get a little bit of something out of Brian De La Cruz. He's been able to give a little bit of power hitting a 285. John Birdie, Garrett Cooper, they're in right around 270, but the real issue is guys like Peyton Butterick, Nick Fortes, Joey Wendell, Gene Segura hitting a 225 or lower. So I do think that Logan Webb is going to continue to be incredibly dominant at home. Braxton Garrett, I do think, is going to be able to pitch a relatively solid game as well. So I did set my total at a 7.3 here and an 8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but in terms of the spot with the Giants, need at least a plus 118 to firing on the run line. I'm going to take a look at that run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 9 to 5, 9 to 6 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks on their face of Gavgitz 
Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller goes for the Buckos, and Brandon Fott is on the bump for the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks between plus 110 and plus 115 underdogs, between minus 122 and minus 132 is your number. On Pittsburgh, 8.5 to 9 is the total. On the 9 under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. On the 8.5, over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I did some, I told it, an 8.4. Going to be taking a look at the under. With the Pittsburgh Pirates going into yesterday, they had scored four runs or fewer in 14 out of their last 15 games and three runs or fewer in 13 out of their last 15. Now, they go up against Mr. Fodd, who, I mean, he wasn't terrific at the minor league level. He's made three starts here at the majors. He's coming off of giving up just one run in his last start against the San Francisco Giants. He does uh, have an 859 ERA because he had given up 13 runs and six homers in his first two starts. Uh, we have really seen him not be too great, to say the least. In his one road start, he gave up seven runs in four and two-thirds innings. I don't think that'll duplicate itself against a Pittsburgh Pirates team that has just been stuck in the mud with regards to their offense. You've got Jack Swinisky along with Andrew Bacuchin who have been able to give you seven home runs. And you have a few guys that are doing an okay job of getting on base. Topico Americano has been able to hit about a 260 along with Andrew McCutcheon. And Brian Reynolds continues to hit nearly a 300. But you've seen a lot of these guys like J. Juan Bay, Carlos Santana that got off to good starts. Now they're in below a 245. The power is completely eroded. It's not a good situation with this Pittsburgh Pirates team. And they're having an especially tough time being able to hit right-handed pitching as well. That's not what you'll want to see. Meanwhile, you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks bunch. And they're towards the top of the league in terms of overall batting average. Entering into yesterday, hitting a 270. But I do think regression is going to be coming for these guys. Gabriel Moreno, Emmanuel Rivera, Geraldo Perdomo. All entered into yesterday, hitting above a 320. That's just not sustainable. Corbin Carroll, Keitel Marte, Christian Walker, in between about a 268 to a 280. That's a little bit more sustainable. And for Walker, he's been able to supply seven home runs over the last three weeks, hitting above a 300 in that time span. He has been relatively impressive. You've got Peven Smith providing a 375 on base, so you do like to see that. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the one thing that they do have is a little bit of advantage in terms of really both pitching fronts. I do like Mitch Keller a little bit better as he's been able to add a few miles per hour onto his fastball, which I think has really led to him just being a more effective pitcher in general. 238 ERA. He's getting a strikeouts per nine rate that is well above 10. The walks have always been a little bit of an issue for him, but he's been able to clean that up this year as well. Right around about 2.4, 2.5 walks per nine innings. Four home starts this far this season, a two ERA thus far at home with opponents overall hitting a 208 off of them. And this is a Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen that entered into yesterday. Sixth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, David Benar has been good. Jose Hernandez is providing a sub 3.5 ERA. Even some like Dory Moretto has been able to step up. Robert Stevenson, he's been terrific. Meanwhile, the big thing when it comes to years and the Diamondbacks is that this bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. Andrew Chafe and Miguel Castro have not necessarily been the world's greatest of acquisitions. They are 22nd overall in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, dealing with an injury to Joe Mantiply. Really do like Pachuba to get out of Kyle Nelson, but some like Kevin Ginkle, not too reliable for this bunch. So it is a circumstance where, despite the fact that the Pirates have struggled, I did set them at a minus 136. I do think it's Brandon Fott going to be able to piggyback off of his good last start, so I did set my total at an 8.4, especially with the way the Pirates are struggling on offense. So whether you've got an 8.5 for 9, looking under, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 135 on the Buckos. 9 of 7, 9 of 8 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers hit the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis goes for the cards, and Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. Meanwhile, 
with the Cardinals. You're finding them anywhere between minus 102 to minus 110. 9.5 is the total, the over and the under. In between minus 105 to minus 115, I'm seeing a straight 9 out there. On the over of 9, it is minus 120, and the under, that is even. And with the LA Dodgers, I did set them at a minus 127 on the money line. I'm going to be one to back them now. For Miles Michaelis, he's been able to look a little bit better recently. But it's still someone that I'm really not wanting to trust in too much. Really, both of these pitchers are not as you've got Noah Thor, Syndergaard, and Miles Michaelis. Both giving up north of 1.3 home runs per nine innings with Syndergaard. It's a little bit closer to one and a half home runs per nine innings with Syndergaard, though. I will say, the command has actually been really good with him. He's giving up about one and a half walks per nine innings, Michaelis. He's up to right around 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings, and... Both of these teams have really been able to do a solid job in terms of their offense. When it comes to the LA Dodgers, they surprisingly have just not really been able to move the line too much as going into the game on Friday, the LA Dodgers, they were in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of batting average at 321, but the on-base percentage has been very good for them as they entered in the top half of the big leagues in terms of on-base. Reason why they've been able to generate so many runs coming in, leading the National League in terms of runs per game. 74 home runs entering into yesterday. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals, they do a solid job of being a move line, but they haven't gotten as much power thus far this season as that has been starting to pick up recently. Nolan Arenado, a home run in six out of seven games entering into yesterday. Nolan Gorman has been able to crank out 12 home runs as well. These two guys have been the catalyst and the reason why the St. Louis Cardinals have been able to pick it up a little bit more. Lars Newpar providing north of a 400 base. Paul Goldschmidt, 400 base, has been big as well. And you do expect Paul Goldschmidt to be able to have a few more home runs moving forward. Just seven home runs in the first 44 games of the campaign. That's a little bit down for him now. With the Cardinals, the bottom of the fold has been hurting them a little bit. The outfielders that they've been using, like Alec Burleson, Juan Yepes, when he's been out there, Dylan Carlson, as I know that he's currently on the 10-day injured list. These have been guys that have been a little bit up and down, and why Jordan Walker's right now in the minor league still is a little bit befuddling to me. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers, you do need to get a little bit more from the bottom of the fold as well, because you've got Mookie Betts, James Outman, Freddie Freeman, all with between eight and nine home runs. All these guys north of a 350 on base entering into yesterday, and then Max Muncy, even though he hasn't hit for average, he's been able to crank out 15 home runs as far this season. Only Pete Alonso has more, but Miguel Rojas, Jason Awer, Chris Taylor, Trace Thompson, all these guys really don't have great on base percentages. All these guys hitting sub 200. Both of these bullpens have been a little bit up and down, though the Cardinals have looked much better recently. They're back up into the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERAs. Been able to get good innings out of Ryan Elsley, Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos. They certainly have been able to do their part. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side, and for the LA Dodgers, Alex Vesio was very good for them last year. He's currently not with the team. It's a Dodgers bunch at last year. They were actually number one in the National League in terms of bullpen area thus far this season. Entering into yesterday, 26th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen areas. You've had a few guys like Caleb Ferguson, Bursado Grider all be able to do a rock solid job, but it's been a little bit of a case of few and far between for them. So it is a relatively interesting case. I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to crank out some runs. I did set my total at a 9.1. Once you reach 9.5, that is a little bit of a point of no return for me right now. We are currently seeing in the market a lot of 9.5s, and, and I do think that with both of these starters, they are going to be able to progress just a little bit. So I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under on a 9.5 as it is still a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark in St. Louis, but a little bit more faith in the Dodgers. Set them at a minus 127, so going to be willing to trust in the Dodgers' money line, and I'm going to be willing to take a look at this total under as well. 
909910 on the betting board. It is the Kansas City Royals at the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Giolito goes for the Southsiders, and Jordan Lyles is on the bump for the Royals. And the Royals are between plus 150 and plus 160 underdogs. Minus 170 to minus 180 is your number on the White Sox. Nine is the total over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Currently, you're finding the run line of the White Sox between plus 110 to plus 118 if you're willing to lay the run in half. And I set the White Sox minus 225 on the money line, minus 117 on the run line. I am going to be willing to dive in. Mentioned this with our good friend Dylan in the last segment. Fact that you've got Jordan Lyles who has gone out and has given up four plus runs in each out of his last eight starts. The team is 0-9 in his starts. All but one of those losses have come by multiple runs. I mean, he has been so terrible thus far this season. A 7-1-4 ERA with north of two and a half home runs per nine innings allowed, giving up about three walks per nine innings. Doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. And Lucas Giolito has been really one of the bright spots on what has been a very disappointing Chicago White Sox team and has been good at home. 245 ERA thus far this season at home with opponents sitting a buck 85 off of him in Chicago overall for the season. Has given up the deep ball a little bit, giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings, but. For Giolito, he's also really worked on the walks, giving up about two walks per nine innings, still getting a little bit over nine punch-outs per nine innings, and the Chicago White Sox are finally fully healthy. Yoan Mankata, Tim Anderson, they've been dealing with some injuries. They're back in the fold, so that is going to be able to help them out, especially with Moncada hitting above a three-hour. Now, the big issue that you do have with the White Sox, they just... Don't take pitches. They swing at everything. That has not necessarily been too terrific, though. You do have guys that are able to get on base for the team, as you got Kevin Sheets, along with the likes of Tim Anderson, Adam Hazley, who have been able to provide about a 245 to a 265 batting average in Luis Robert. He's been able to give the team a home run in four out of the last six games, 12 overall for the season. He and Jake Berger hitting between about a 275 to a 280, with Berger being able to give you a double-digit amount of homers as well for the White Sox. The biggest albatross for them has been the bullpen because they are currently second worst in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Gregory Santos, Keenan Middleton are really the only guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. Joe Kelly has surprisingly been able to give you a little bit of production, but still don't have any faith in Joe Kelly. Meanwhile, I don't have any faith in this Royals bullpen either. And even though they're a little bit better than the Chicago White Sox who currently clock in at 29th in terms of bullpen ERA, they're 27th. It's not like they're a whole lot better. Aroldis Chapman he has been having a little bit of a renaissance this season in Kansas City, but Scott Barlow has had his issues. Mike Myers, no, not the actor slash comedian. He is not funny, and I mean, it is not a laughing matter that he has been getting lit up in recent years. Josh Taylor's not been good. Josh Samad has actually been relatively okay when he's been out there, and for the Kansas City Royals, you do have some boppers at the top of the fold. Salvador Perez entered into yesterday, slugging out nine home runs, hitting about 280 in general, had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but the way that he's been able to progress over the last we're going to call it 21 days, 5-plus home runs, hitting above a three-runner. You do like to see that Vinny Pascantino has been able to do a good job getting on base, 350 on base, 8 home runs this far this season. And Bobby Wood Jr., he does have 7 home runs, just a 277 on base. But the big issue with the Royals is they don't have anyone at the bottom of the fold that's able to hit. Nicky Lopez, Fremio Reyes, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nate Neaton, all these guys hitting at 200 or lower. And then you've got MJ Melendez, Kyle Oakesville, Mike Massey, in between about a 210 to a 225. So lots of issues with this Royals lineup. And 
It's got what it is. Jordan Lyles just flat out sinks. I did set my total at 8.8 because it is a Royals team that they strained a lot of men on base. And Lucas Giolito has been solid in the White Sox. They do have their issues on offense as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at the 9-under. This is just a straight fade of Jordan Lyles. So I was willing to lay a price on the White Sox run line instead of getting a plus 110 to a plus 115. Looking at the White Sox on the run line. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 9-11-9-12 on the betting board. It is the Toronto Blue Jays. And they're going to be playing against the Baltimore Orioles. Good Jason Rodriguez is going to be going for the Orioles and Alec Manoa is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is anywhere between a minus 150 to a minus 160 favorite. Anywhere between plus 130 to a plus 135 is your number on Baltimore. Nine and a half is your total. The under is minus 115 to a minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. With the Orioles, I do need this number to get just a couple pennies higher to be able to take a look at the money line. I need at least a plus 140 to be able to dive in there, but I was willing to lay up to a minus 145 in taking a run and a half. Right now, I am seeing that run line with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, if you're looking to lay a run and a half with them, you're only getting them at a plus 125. Meanwhile, if you're getting a run and a half with the Baltimore Orioles, that's minus 145. And with the Orioles, we notice they had the best run line record in the big league last season. And I do think that that could be coming into play here because with Grayson Rodriguez, I do need a little bit more of a plus price to be able to take a shot on him just because we have seen him just be a little bit erratic with just his location as he's been giving up nearly four walks per nine innings as far this season. He has given up nine home runs in 37 innings. Meanwhile, Alec Manoa has been a mess himself. He's giving up 1.6 home runs per nine innings, 6.4 walks per nine innings out of Alec Manoa, though he does have a little bit of a longer track record. And with Manoa, he does have a 540 ERA compared to more of a 650 with regards to Grayson Rodriguez, as Manoa's actually been a big, giant, hot mess at home, by the way. 850 home ERA. Meanwhile, for Grayson Rodriguez, it's just really been a not-so-great sample at home or on the road. 579 ERA on the road for him. And I do think that the Blue Jays, even though they put up a couple fewer runs as far this season than the Orioles, they do have a little bit more of a trustworthy offense as well. You know what you're going to be able to get out of the top of the full Bo Bichette, Alon Flagger, Junior Matt Chapman. All these guys, at least a 370 on base, at least a 310 batting average. They just haven't cranked out the home runs that you'd expect. 47 home runs in their first 44 games of the season. I do think that they are going to be able to get a few more moving forward with Merrifield. He's been a little bit cold recently, but starting to find a little bit of that form they had back when he was with the Royals. Kevin Kiermeyer, by the way, is currently hitting about a 325. I do think we're going to see a little bit of regression there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and you've been able to have Ryan Mountcastle be able to go yard nine times as far this season then just have a bunch of guys between about six to seven home runs Adley Rutschman, Cedric Mullins, Ordi Mateo, Anthony Sondanaire and with Mateo and Mullins both hitting between about a 250 to a 265 a combined 25 stolen bases so these guys have been able to do a nice job there you've got Adley Rutschman giving you a 400 on base with his seven home runs as far this season and Sondanaire was dealing with a little bit of a back issue ever since he's been able to get through that he's been hitting more like a 300 and when it comes to the Orioles Bullpen has been very good for them as well. That's why at the current numbers, I'd be probably taking a little bit more of a look at getting a run and half. This is one where I'm hoping that we could get up to a lot more around like a plus 140, plus 145 to be able to take a shot on that money line. But that's it. With the Orioles, they're currently a top three team in terms of bullpen area. Felix Batista 
along with Yanir Cano, have been absolutely amazing. Uh, the bullpen, Brian Baker has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Mike Bauman has been relatively soft for the team as well. And for the Blue Jays, you've had Tim Mays along with Eric Swanson be tremendous in the bullpen. Both of these guys, a sub-2-3 ERA. It's been Anthony Bass, Amy Garcia, guys like this that have not necessarily been too terrific while Jordan Romano figures it out. So at current numbers, I would look to take a run and F at a minus 145 with the Baltimore Orioles. But this is a little bit more of a wait and see. You would like to be able to get more around like a plus 140 on that money line, but that's where I'd be taking a look at right now. And in terms of the total, it is one that I did set at a 9.2. So here at a 9.5, I'm going to be willing to dive under to go along with that run line. 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board. The Oakland A's hit the road face off against the Houston Astros. Hunter Brown goes for the Astros, and J.P. Sears is on the bump for Oakland. And Oakland is an underdog of between plus 240 and plus 250. Minus $3 to minus $320 in most spots as the Houston Astros, seeing as low as a minus 275. Still on this game, 8.5. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. I need at least a plus 253 to take a shot here on the Oakland A's on the money line. If you're looking at the run line of the Houston Astros, you're finding that anywhere between about a minus 150 to a minus 155. I would actually be willing to take anything north of a plus 132 getting a run and half on Oakland. I actually think I'm going to be on the Oakland A's in this spot, and it's just a case where it's hard to lay this sort of a number with Hunter Brown, who I think is very good. I think that, I mean, moving forward, Hunter Brown is going to be an ace for the Astros for many years to come, but at the same time, if there is one guy that you're able to trust in, other than Mason Miller, who's currently on the injured list for the Oakland A's, it is probably J.P. Sears. The 520 ERA, I mean, it's not great, but it's better than what a lot of the other schlubs on this team is doing. He's given up two earned runs or fewer and two out of his last three starts. Now, a lot of his success has come at home with J.P. Sears, 784 road area. 286 home area. A little bit of caution there. He's given up 11 home runs in 42 and two-thirds innings. A little bit of this if you look at the advanced numbers. He's been a tad bit unlucky. He's been giving up only about two walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate is a little bit north of nine. J.P. Sears is a legitimate pitcher. Meanwhile, Hunter Brown spent a little bit lucky on the balls in play, giving up three home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings. The walks numbers are a little bit high. He's giving up 3.4 walks per nine innings. His strikeout numbers are solid as well, right around nine and a half to ten punch-outs per nine innings. But have an Oakland A's team that is actually in the top three in the American League in terms of home runs per game on the road. This is an Oakland A's team that is completely different with their offense when they're away from home just because they play in a ballpark in front of about 27 people for one and for two. It's so pitcher friendly because it's so cavernous and typically during the nighttime you have the marine, marine layer out and things like that that it makes it very difficult to drive the ball out like Brent Rooker on the road entering into yesterday at 20 RBI in 17 games, hitting a 344 with seven home runs. Shea Langoliers, about a 320 on base, five home runs in 17 games on the road. Estudio Ruiz, 11 stolen bases on the road alone thus far this season, hitting about a 255. So you've got guys that are producing for the Oakland A's. The lineup actually isn't terrible. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, this is a lineup that it does have its question marks. Jordan Alvarez has been able to give you nine home runs thus far this season. He's got about a 390 on base. And yes, I was saying you need to probably do a welfare check on me if I'm going to be looking to bet the Oakland A's. The welfare check, I think that this qualifies. It has been done, but that said, you've got Mauricio Dubon. He's hitting about a 300 for this Astros team as well, but Alex Bregman once again off to a slow start, hitting about a 225 with six home runs. The entire catcher spot has been awful. I'll say Abreu still has not gone yard. 160 plus at bats. 
He's got zero home runs. Now, with the Astros, they completely outgunned the Oakland A's in terms of the bullpen. The Oakland A's are a bunch of clowns in the bullpen. You've got Sam Maul, Long Zach Jackson, who provided a sub-4 ERA over the last two years, and that's about it. I mean, every one of these other guys, like, I mean, you're trotting out there, guys like Shintaro Fujinami and company. It's not good. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, you've had Phil Beaton, Brian Abreu, supply sub-250 ERAs. Rafael Montero has not necessarily been too terrific along Seth Martinez, but by and large, this is a very solid bullpen, but that said, I think that this is getting a little bit too lofty on Hunter Brown. If you're getting north of a plus 255, I'm going to be willing to dive in on the Oakland A's money line, and I don't think there's going to be too many takers on the Oakland A's. I do think that we're going to continue to get that plus price, so I'm going to be taking a look at some form or fashion on the A's, whether that be on the money line or if I get like a plus 135, plus 140, being able to get her on half with them, and with the total, did set it at 9.1, so also taking a look at the over. 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board, it is the Minnesota Twins on the road facing off against the LA Angels. Louis Harlan goes for the Twins, and Patrick Sandoval is on the bump for the Angels. And the Angels, they're between minus 420 to a minus 425 favorite, and you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 104 to plus 110 on Minnesota. 8.5 is the total, over is minus 420, and the under is even. So I tell it an 8.4, so here at an 8.5, I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under end. I'm going to be in lockstep with our good friend in Dylan as I set the Angels at a minus 135 on the money line. With the Angels, you've got Patrick Sandoval who's done a very good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Certainly not a guy that's going to be going out there and lighting the world on fire with regards to strikeouts as he's only been able to get right around 6.2 punch outs per nine innings but has been effective in inducing soft contact. Meanwhile, for Louis Varlin, the swing and miss stuff has been good for him. He's been able to get right around 10 punch-outs per nine innings. Does give up a little bit too much hard contact. Six home runs given up in 23 innings thus far this season, and that's a little bit of an issue going up against an LA Angels team that they are a very good home run inning team at home. They're only averaging about a home run per game on the road, but for the Angels, they get right around 1.8 home runs per game when they are at home, and they have really been able to excel when they've been in Los Angeles as far as the season entering into the series, averaging about 5.5 runs per game. Mike Trout, Troy Otani, Hunter Renfro all entered into yesterday, hitting 10 home runs as far as the season with Trout and Otani, both supplying north of a 360 on base. And the bottom of the fold has been able to get on base for the team to be able to turn those home runs into more like two, three-run shots. Anthony Rendon has not provided any power whatsoever along with Matt Theus, but both of these guys, despite just having one home run this far this season, both providing north of a 385 on base, both hitting about a 300, so that's been beneficial, and that's been even bigger with Theus doing this with Logan Hoppy currently dealing with an injury. Taylor Ward has not necessarily been himself this far this season. Brandon Drury, he's been able to go deep a few times, but hasn't necessarily been able to provide a lot of on-base percentage, but Zach Neto, even though he's been a little bit up and down, he's been showing some signs of brightness now. I will say this if you have a little bit of trepidation in terms of this under. It is that the LA Angels bullpen, it's actually in terms of ERA been quite good this year. They're currently 8th in the big leagues with this regard. If you look at the expected numbers, they're a below average bullpen, and I do think that they are sort of on thin ice as of right now as if had Andrew Wands provide a sub-3 ERA. Carlos Aceves, Matt Moore, both supplying a buck 50 or lower ERA. They've honestly both been very good. I do think we're going to see regression with both of those guys, and then when it comes to Minnesota Twins, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Orde Alcala, but they've been relatively okay in terms of their bullpen as well. They're currently 12th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Brock Stewart has been very good for the team along with Yohan Duran. Sub-2 ERAs out of them. Orde 
Lopez has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA as well, though Giovanni Morin has been a little bit of an issue. reason why I really do like this total under is that the Minnesota Twins just aren't hitting. Right now, they're dealing with an injury to Joey Gallo. He's been leading the team with 10 home runs. As the Minnesota Twins, a top-3 team in the American League in terms of home runs per game on the road, but just don't have anyone that's able to get on base. So even if you do get these home runs, there are going to be a lot of solo shots. as Willie Castro, Jose Miranda, Trevor Larnage, Gallo's currently banged up, along with Carlos Correa. I mean, all these guys are in between about a 200 to a 225. Nick Gordon being hurt really doesn't hurt the team as he's been giving the team about a buck 85 on base. He's been able to get a little bit more out of guys like Ryan Jeffers out of Solano in between about a 260 to a 270. And Kyle Farmer coming back is big. He's been able to about a 285 in his limited amount of bat-bats this far this season, but now Orde Polanco is dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. I do think the Patrick Sandoval going to be able to go out there, give a relatively solid start, especially with Byron Buxton being a little bit up and down. So, did something tell at any point and an eight and a half. Look at the under, and I'm going to lay the minus 120 to a minus 125 with the Angels. Signed 17, 9, 18 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers hit the red face off against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin goes for the Nats. Alex Fiedo is on the bump for Detroit. Nine is the total. Overs between minus 110 to a minus 120. The unders any between even a minus 110 with Washington there. Between minus 110 to a minus 115 favorite. Meanwhile, you're going to be getting the Tigers any between even money and minus 106. And with the Tigers, I needed at least a plus 134 to be able to take a shot on them. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Patrick Corbin being a favorite is justified, and I'm going to be willing to lay the number with Patrick Corbin. Now, Patrick Corbin, not the world's greatest starter, but as I laid out, Jordan Lyles, a much, much bigger fade right now than him. And, I mean, this is just more of a deficit of the doubt when it comes to Alex Fajardo. You get the benefit of the doubt, I give the deficit of the doubt. For Alex Fajardo, two starts this far this season, 10 and two-thirds innings. He's given up six runs, five of which were earned. Nothing great, nothing terrible. If you take a look at what he did last season, it was far from impressive. And just at the minor league level, this is someone that just really didn't impress me whatsoever with what he was able to do. And I do think that he's going to be in a position to not necessarily have a whole like, a lot of success. As at the minor league level this far this season, he had a 250 ERA while pitching in AAA for Toledo. But I mean, he was giving up about a home run and a half per nine innings, was getting very lucky on balls in play. And at the minor league level a season ago, he had a tough time just being able to stay healthy in general. He made just four minor league starts. So, I mean, it's someone that has really been dealing with a lot of injury concerns throughout his career, and thus I do think that command might be a little bit of an issue for him moving forward. He's also given up four home runs in his set and two-thirds innings thus far this season. Now for the turkey tosser, Patrick Corbin, certainly it's been a case where hard contact has not been his friend in recent years. He's given up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings this season, and his strikeout numbers are way down. He's getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings, and for Patrick Corbin, three runs or fewer allowed in each out of his last six starts. I can't believe I'm saying it. I should say earned runs because there was a start where he gave up a pair of unearned runs. But I mean, still, Patrick Corbin has not been awful. Now, with Washington Nationals, they do have a little bit of an inferior bullpen to the Detroit Tigers. As you've had quite a few guys like an Alex Lang, Jason Foley, Jose C. Serrano provide sub-3 ERAs for the Tigers bullpen, which currently ranks 13th in the big leagues. In terms of ERA for the Washington Nationals, they are currently clocking in 23rd in the big leagues as we have seen a little bit of regression with some of the guys that were rock solid last year like Mason Thompson, Rasmo Ramirez, but you do have Carl Edwards Jr., Hunter Harvey being able to supply a sub-350 ERA 
both of these teams at the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of runs per game and home runs per game as you had nobody enter into the series with throw the five home runs thus far this season. So power numbers are not there, but for the Washington Nationals, fewest strikeouts per game of any team in the big leagues. And you've got plenty of guys that are able to get on base and move the line as Joey Manessas, Victor Robles are both hitting above a 290. Lane Thomas, one of those guys with five home runs. He's been hitting about a 275 lot. Dominic Smith, Corey Dickerson, he's back in the fold for this team, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to move the line as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, Riley Green has been someone that has been standing out to me as he's been able to hit nearly a 300. He's been able to draw a few more walks as well as for the Tigers. Entered in the series in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of batting average when you pair that up with the fact that they had 31 home runs in their first 41 games of the season, with Jason Rogers being the only guy with five home runs hitting a buck 84. Well, getting those five home runs, that's a big, giant concern. So I do think that it's going to be a case where runs are going to be at a little bit more of a premium. I recognize that both of these starting pitchers are not terrific, but both of these offenses are certainly leaving a lot to be desired as well. So I did sell my total at an 8.8, being able to get the 9 that I'm seeing right now. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And with Washington, I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 133 with them. So looking at its money line to go along with this total under. 919, 920 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies on the road facing off against the Texas Rangers. 55 Shades of John Gray is going to be going for Texas. And Kyle Freeland is on the bump for Colorado. Colorado's between a plus 160 to a plus 168 underdog between minus 185 to a minus 195 is your number on the Rangers. And with the Texas Rangers, I did make them a favorite in this ordeal of a minus 157. Needed at least a plus 158 to take a shot. So myself and Dylan are going to be seeing eye to eye on this one as well. I'm going to be taking a look at this Colorado Rockies money line. You mentioned it with Kyle Freeland. He's been able to do a relatively solid job this season. Freeland is not going to go out there and is going to get you like 10 plus strikeouts or anything like that, but he's just a steady Eddie pitcher, 316 ERA thus far this season. I mean, the advanced numbers do point to a little bit of regression. He's got a fielding independent closer to a 4-5, but been relatively impressed by what he's been able to do. He has been giving up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings. A lot of that has come at Coors, and just take a look at the career numbers of Kyle Freeland. He always pitches better on the road than he does at home. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise when your home ballpark is Coors Field, but I mean, still, you take a look at his career numbers, 373 road ERA on the road, his home runs per nine rate, that's hovering right in the neighborhood about one, so been relatively impressed there that compared to a 466 home ERA where he's giving up more around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, and for John Gray, I mean, I mentioned the fact that Kyle Freeland has not necessarily the world's greatest advanced numbers. John Gray doesn't either. With John Gray, he's been a little bit less effective thus far this season. 3-1-5 ERA, but he's got a fielding independent that has currently been rocking north of a 5. His fielding independent is a full 2 points higher than his ERA. He's getting 6.3 strikeouts per 9 innings. Last year, he was getting more around 9.5 punchouts per 9 innings, so... That is something that has me very concerned about him. Now, with the Texas Rangers, top three team in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, Adelise Garcia has been uh, massively uh, tremendous for this team. 13 home runs, hitting about a 260. And he, Josh Young, Nate Lowe, Lonth, Robbie Grossman, all guys in that fold, hitting about a 250 to 260. All these guys have been able to do a good job with their power numbers, with Young being able to give you eight home runs. Marcus Simeon, 375 on base. 
Now you're getting Corey Seager back in the fold as well, along with Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, being able to move the line, hitting between it about a 290 to a 300. And with Colorado, if you do have trepidation, it is that this Rockies team, they always have a tough time being able to generate runs on the road as they're not dead last in the league like they were last year in terms of runs per game on the road, but they are in the bottom six. And you've got Ryan McMahon currently on the road along Jerickson and Profar, Ezekiel Tovar, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. And for McMahon, it's especially bad, hitting a buck 52 on the road going to yesterday. But Chris Bryant on the road has been able to hit nearly a 300. This team is getting Randall Gritchick back to the fold. That's been able to help them out. And this Rockies bullpen has not been bad. They entered into the series 16th of the league in terms of bullpen area, which doesn't sound great, but when your home ballpark is Coors Field, that's actually very good. Brent Suter has been providing a sub-2 ERA. Brian Han has been relatively solid. Daniel Part has been able to do an amazing job. Meanwhile, for Texas, I mean, the bottom has completely fallen out on this bullpen. Two weeks ago, this was a top-10 team in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. Now they are right in the neighborhood about 25th as been a very rough time of things for Jonathan Hernandez. He's providing north of a 5 ERA. Josh Zaboras, Will Smith have not necessarily been too terrific. Brock Burke, who was great last year, he had his issues against the Oakland A's. So you do have some issues on that front. I do think that the Colorado Rockies are going to have a little bit of a tough time being a put bat to ball on the road because they always do. But this is out game number two, getting away from Coors Field. So now they're a little bit more acclimated. I did set my total at an 8.3. So here at an 8.5 to a 9, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. But that said, this is also a spot where at a plus 158 or higher, going to be taking a look at the Rockies on the money line. 921-922 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees, and they are going to be on the road facing up against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're on to Luke Weaver getting the start. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, it is good old to be determined. This game is currently off the board. I'm expecting it to be Johnny Burrito. Now, you could see an opener come in for Johnny Burrito because we saw that in the team's last start as Jimmy Cordero, I believe, was the opener for one Mr. Johnny Brito, but right now ESPN is showing Johnny Brito. Fangraphs, in terms of their projected starter, is as well. And if we do get Burrito versus Luke Weaver, this is a circumstance where I set the Yankees at a minus 148 on the money line, would need at least a plus 115 to lay a run and half of them with a total of 10.2. So a 10 or less, I'd be looking at the over 10 and a half higher to the under end. When I make the line minus 140 on the Yankees, that means plus 149 or higher. That would be my buy point on the Cincinnati Reds. Luke Weaver has not been stellar thus far this season. I don't think I'm laying out breaking news as he led the league in losses a few years ago. 626 ERA, 8 home runs allowed in 27 and a third innings. Johnny Burrito is leaving a lot to be desired as well, though. Now, a lot of these starts came against the Minnesota Twins, but I think that that actually should be a bigger warning sign because the Twins have stunk on offense thus far this season. For Burrito, it's walked per nine rate is well north of three and a half. He's not getting a lot of strikeouts, six strikeouts per nine innings, 520 ERA. Actually goes to about a 450 on the road. And I do think that the opener system might not be the world's worst for him. He did give up four runs when the opener came in for him against Toronto. Only one of which was earned, though. So I knew it was the man that was not necessarily getting helped out by his defense in that spot. But for the New York Yankees, what they also do is they back him up with the best bullpen in the big leagues. As they've had so many guys do a good job of being able to sling it for this team. Play Holmes, along with Ron Manonaccio, 
They've been question marks for this team, but you've got Jimmy Gordero, I mentioned, open from in the last game. Wandy Peralta, Michael King, they're all giving you a sub-250 ERA. Now they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Ian Hamilton, so that's a little bit of an issue, but by and large, you still have a team that has been able to do a good job on that front. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it's not as supreme of a bullpen, but you know what? These guys have been relatively solid thus far this season. Guys like Buck Farmer, Ian Gabot, that throughout their career have not been too terrific. They've been fine. The Reds overall, 10th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Alexis Diaz, he's been able to provide a sub-250 ERA out of the last two seasons as well. But big thing for the Reds is that they just don't have a lot of power in their lineup. They don't really have anyone that gives them north of five home runs. You've been able to have young shortstop Matt McClain come up and hit above a 300. So that's something encouraging for the team. Jake Fraley has been able to go deep five times. Being able to provide about a 375 on base along with their leadoff man in Jonathan India, Harold Ramos, Nick Senzel. They're both able to give you about a 345 on base along with Tyler Stevenson as well. And then for the New York Yankees, I mean, Aaron Judge, 13 home runs as far this season. I believe that he's got six home runs in the last seven games. He has been absolutely tremendous now. You need some of the, shall we say, lesser bats to be able to pick it up. The much maligned Aaron X. We're going to call it the entirety of the catcher spot, especially now with Jose Trevino on the injured list. Jake Bowers, Anthony Volpe, Willie Calhoun, guys like this, and get 225 or lower have been earning this team. DJ LeMay, we saw him have a little bit of a pinch hitting spot yesterday. Got to figure that he's going to be good to go today as he, along with Flavor Torres, about a 330 to a 335 on base. And Anthony Rizzo, it's well above a 300. So it's a little bit of an interesting spot. Tender loss looking at the over 10 and a half higher to the under. The Yankees have really been able to round into form with their offense since Aaron Judge has come back. And with the Yankees, one to lay up to a minus 147 on the money line. With them and a plus 149 or higher, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. 923 and 924 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the red faceoff against the Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Eflin looks to not be Eflin awful for the Tampa Bay Rays. To be determined is on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. That is why this game is presently off the board. Fangraphs was projecting this to be Eric Lauer. I've got my question marks there as ESPN is currently showing absolutely no pitcher whatsoever. I projected it as if it's going to be Eric Lauer. I set the race in Lauer versus Eflin as a minus 184 favorite. I'd be willing to take pretty much even money or better with the Tampa Bay Rays run line if it is Lauer versus Eflin as well with a total of 8.689 for less. Looking at the over to nine or higher to the under end. If this turns out to be a Milwaukee Brewers bullpen game, this probably goes to a little bit north of $2 as the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen. Now, I will say they have been unfairly hurt by like three bad innings thus far this season with guys that currently aren't on the roster. Guys like Javi Guerra, Gus Farland, these guys are clowns that just completely lick games on fire for the Milwaukee Brewers, but they're currently 17th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Tampa Bay Rays bullpen has been really sinking as well. They're down to 14th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They've been experiencing so many injuries with the starting rotation, thus they have been throwing more innings out of the bullpen than any other team in baseball, but if you do get Eric Lauer in this spot, which I think would make sense. His last start was on Sunday, so I don't see why he wouldn't start in this one. I mean, he's been just not able to perform on the road in recent years. This year, it's actually been a complete reversal. In four starts on the road, he's got a buck 90 ERA, giving up nine runs, five of which were earned. He has given up three home runs on the road, but opponents are just hitting a 214 off of him. Last year, his ERA was right around two points higher on the road than it was at home. And getting to that bullpen, Joel Piams, Elvis Piguero, they've been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Devin Williams has been rock solid as well, but... It's all about getting to that bullpen as you got guys like D.B. Burkakis. They have to go through it for the Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Eflin has been pretty darn good 
for this punch, especially when he has been in Tampa Bay. Book 96 home area, north of a 5 year on the road. And we saw that with him with the Philadelphia Phillies as well. When he was with Philadelphia, he was great at home. He was terrible on the road, giving up one home run in 23 innings. When he has been at home thus far this season, gets good swings and misses right around 10 punch outs for 9 innings. That is not going to walk anyone. His walks per 9 rate is barely above 1. You've got a bullpen that I think is going to be able to improve moving forward, though. The two Kellys and Trevor Kelly, Kevin Kelly, these guys have not been terrific. It's been all about Colin Poucher, Ryan Thompson, along with Pete Fairbanks as well, really supplying good innings for the team. But the Tampa Bay Rays, number one in the league in terms of batting average and number one in the league in terms of home runs as you've got so many guys that are just able to slug it out now. They are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Yandy Diaz right now, and that's big because he, Randy Orozarena, Throw in there as well, Josh Lowe. All these guys are hitting above a 3 iron. All these guys at least sent home runs as far this season. But Wander Franco, he was dealing with a little bit of rest in that series against the Mets. He's back in the fold as he, Isak Paredes, Harold Ramirez. These are guys giving you north of a 350 on base. Been very impressed by them. Manuel Margot, it's been a little bit up and down the season, but by and large, you know what you're going to be able to get out of this Rays lineup. Meanwhile, with the Milwaukee Brewers, just have a lot of guys that have between, we're going to call it about a 325 to about a 345-ish on-base percentage as Rowdy Tellez has been one of the main guys. He's been able to provide about a 340 on-base. He's been able to supply 10 home runs. William Contreras, Christian Yelich, Brian Anderson, these guys are in that fold as well. And then you've got Owen Miller hitting well above a 300 with about a 375 on-base. That has been solved with the Milwaukee Brewers. They've had a very difficult time just being able to generate runs in general when they have been on the road. This is a Brewers squad that entered into yesterday dead last in the National League. There's runs per game on the road with 3.8. I do think that they're going to be able to get to Eflin a little bit here, and the bullpen has been tussy, and Eric Lauer's had a tough time on the road. This Rays lineup has been able to put back the ball, so it is a spot where if we do get Lauer versus Eflin, Rays will be a minus 184 favorite on the money line. We need at least plus 185 to take a shot on the Brewers, and I'd be taking a look at minus one or two or less, laying a run and F with the Tampa Bay Rays in this ordeal, and set my tail in an 8.68 half or less, looking at the over nine or higher to the under 925-926 on the bank board. The Cleveland Guardians are on the road facing off against the New York Mets. Matt Max Scherzer goes for the Mets. Tanner Bibby is on the bump for Cleveland, and Cleveland is an underdog, anywhere between plus 145 and plus 152. Meanwhile, it is between minus 165 and minus 175 on the Metropolitans. 8 to 8.5 is the total. 8.5 has juice on the under of minus 125. The over is plus 105 on the 8. Over and under are both at minus 110. With Bibby and company, I needed at least a plus 155 to be able to take a shot on them. We're a few pennies away. If you are taking a look at that Mets run line, you're finding that as high as a plus 125, but as low as a plus 110. I'm able to get a minus 130, getting a run and F with the Cleveland Guardians, and that would be my current look. I'm hoping that we can get back to the opener where it was more around a plus 165 on Cleveland Guardians. I'd be willing to take that, but at current numbers, I would be willing to lay the minus 130, getting a run and F with the Cleveland Guardians, just because with Max Scherzer, I think it's a little bit of a roll of the dice at this point as to what you're going to get out of him. He had that suspension that was handed down a few weeks ago for sticky stuff. He comes back. He looks less than effective. He's been dealing with neck spasms. So it's been all over the place with him. It's been all over the place with this Mets team as well. As it's a Mets punch that is completely outgunned in the bullpen. The Cleveland Guardians are back in the top five in the big leagues with regards to bullpen area with guys like Angel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe, the closer, all being able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Meanwhile, for the New York Mets, entered into yesterday, 19th of the league in terms of bullpen area, even with David Robertson, plusing right around one ERA as a closer. Drew Smith has been solid, but 
I mean, you get into guys like Dominic Leone and company, that's not great. And the start that Carlos Cookie Carrasco gave you yesterday was not great either. So there's that aspect of things. He was able to fill five innings, but has been a little bit of an issue there. And for the New York Mets, they're doing a solid job in terms of being able to get on base. They're just not doing a great job being able to put back the ball. Now, Pete Alonso has been absolutely amazing. He's currently leading the league in terms of home runs. Batting average is leaving something to be desired as he and Francisco Lindor. The only guys on the roster with north of five home runs, both of these guys in between about a 225 to 230, though. And then you've got other guys like Australia Marte, who's sitting about a 235. Francisco Alvarez is sitting at 230. Mark Cannon is sitting at 225. You just need more out of these guys. Brandon Nimmo at the top, about a 380 on base, but this is not a good offense right now. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Guardians. Entered into yesterday, tied with the Detroit Tigers for fewer runs per game, and, and they come out, they put up a three spot in the first setting. Jose Ramirez, who is on the bereavement list, he is back to fold now. What has really been ailing the Cleveland Guardians is you had so many guys last year that just got on base, found a way to be able to get those singles, and they haven't been able to get that this year. The Cleveland Guardians are dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs this season. Last year, they were second lowest in terms of home runs. So they've proven that they're able to overcome that. Now, even last year, they had more power than they've shown this year as Josh Naylor has been able to give you seven home runs. Nobody else has really north of four, but what was key for them last year is you had guys like Will Brandon, Andre Jimenez, throwing their Oscar Gonzalez, hitting north of a 270. They're only in below at 245 thus far this season. Ahmed Rosario is hitting north of a 270 last year. His on base is at 280 thus far this year. Stephen Kwan is hitting about a 270, but these guys are not really moving the line too effectively. That said, it's a Mets team that they just have been a little bit all over the place thus far this season as well. And I do think that you're going to be able to get a relatively okay start out of Tanner Bibby. He was solid at the minor league level. He's come up and he's done a nice job of holding down the fort. He gets nine strikeouts per nine innings, four walks in his 22 and a third innings with giving up just one home run. He has given up two runs or fewer in three out of his first four starts as we have a fill north of five innings in three out of those four starts as well. So if I'm able to get back to the opener of a plus 165, we'll be looking at the Guardians on the money line. If not, I'd be a little bit more willing to take a run nap and lay that minus 130 with the Guardians. And did something told at 7.8. I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. That's just the way that the Guardians have been rolling. So you're at an 8 to an 8.5 looking at the under to go along with the Cleveland Guardians at current numbers willing to lay the juice in order to get a run and a half with them. 927-928 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners at third face off against the Atlanta Braves. To be determined goes for the Braves and Logan Gilbert is going for the Mariners. This game is off the board and I just put bullpen game for this one because right now the fan grass production starter is Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh, he's probably going to give you at most three innings. So it's going to be a pretty much a bullpen game if that is the case and Figuring that he's calling McHugh slash a bullpen game. I set the Braves at a minus 132, so we'd be willing to lay a minus 131 on them. Plus 133 or higher. Willing to take a shot on the Mariners. And seven total at 9.69.5 for less. Looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. Now, the one trepidation that you've got with setting a high total in Seattle Mariners games is that the Seattle Mariners team has just had a tough time inning in general. They entered into yesterday inning as a collective a 227. That's a bottom five mark in the big leagues. And it's not like they're not really hitting for average, but they've got a whole bunch of power because... Right now, you've got four guys that have between seven and eight home runs. Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, Jared Kelnick, Cal Raleigh. But I mean, out of these four guys, you got one guy hitting above a 237, and that would actually be Jared Kelnick. He's been able to do a solid job for the team. You do have Ty France. 
who's been able to give you about a 350 on base as well. But there's so many guys that need, they just need to get on base a little bit more. As Tommy LaSalle, Julio Rodriguez, AJ Pollock, Colton Wong, Sam Haggerty, Taylor Trammell, all these guys are hitting a 212 or lower. Nobody with north of a 295 on base. Now, with the Seattle Mariners, they're currently number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. I do think there's going to be a massive regression. With this, you take a look at the guys that are currently in this bullpen because they're dealing with an injury to Penn Murphy. They're dealing with an injury to Andres Munoz, and it's just not sustainable. You've got guys like Juan Fenn, Justin Topa, Trevor Gott. I mean, these are guys that are providing a sub-2-2 ERA. Taylor Saucedo has yet to give up a run thus far this season. This is just not sustainable. Gabe Spire, and they will give you about a 338 ERA. It's just one of these cases where it's like, yeah, I do see a little bit of regression coming. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they've been a relatively average bullpen thus far this season. As a matter of fact, they entered in the series 15th. Jersey bullpen ERA getting Rossio Iglesias back in the fold. That's going to be able to help them out. They've had mixed results from the likes of Jesse Chavez, Nick Anderson overall. They haven't been terrible. They haven't been great. I do like the long guy, Michael Tonkin. I would not be surprised if he sees multiple innings in this go-around. Last time he pitched was on Sunday the 14th, so I think that they could be trotting him out there for three-plus innings because he did throw three and a third innings in that relief appearance against the Toronto Blue Jays, and I really like what I've seen out of him, so I've sort of figured him in to the fold as well. Also figured into the fold, the Atlanta Braves currently lead the National League in terms of home runs per game with four guys entering into yesterday with 10-plus home runs, Ozzie Albies, Ronald Cunha Jr., Matt Olson, and Sam Murphy with Murphy along the Cunha Jr. He also entered with north of 400 on base with Matt Olson not aiming for a lot of average 377 on base for him though. Michael Harris has really not been himself. He's been dealing with injuries. He's hitting below a 200. That's not been great, but Orlando Arcia is limited at bats. He's doing a great job getting on base, and you got to figure at some point Austin Riley's going to pick it up as well. 325 on base with seven home runs. You just expect a little bit more out of him. Meanwhile, Logan Gilbert has been having himself a relatively nice year for the Seattle Mariners. He's been able to really crank up his swing and miss stuff as strikeouts per nine rate this far this season. It's hovering in the neighborhood above 10 and a half or so. He's given up four home runs in 46 innings this far this season. Has been able to limit the walks as well. Honestly, it's pitched much better. That is 391 ERA. That said, as I mentioned, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression in the bullpen, and he's not been the same pitcher away from home as he has been at home. Now, he's only given up one home run in 27 and a third innings away from home, but he's allowing a lot more contact in general. Opponents are in at 250 off of him compared to a buck 79 at home. So, a circumstance where I set the Braves at a minus 132, one to lay up to a minus 131 with them. Need at least a plus 133 to take a look at the Mariners, and I set a total of a 9.6, so Nine and a half or less, looking at the over, 10 or higher. To the under, we wrap things up with 929-930. The DK Nation write-up pick, which is the Boston Red Sox on the road facing off against the Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove goes for the pods, and Chris Sales on the bump for Boston. Total on this game is 8. The unders between minus 110 to a minus 115. Overs between minus 105 to a minus 110. Minus 125 to minus 130 is your price on Slam Diego. Between plus 110 and plus 115, the number on the Red Sox. I'm going to be willing to trust in the Padres. I set them at a minus 134 on the money line, but real right a pick. That is going to be on the over. You've got a pair of guys with north of a 5 ERA starting in this one, which is obviously very simpleton speak, but... When it comes to Chris Sale, I actually do think that he's going to be able to perform a little bit better than he has thus far this season. He's got a 5.40 ERA, but a fielding independent of a 3.78, 11.2 punch outs per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine innings has been a little bit unlucky in balls in play. But you want to know who's getting very unlucky on balls in play? The San Diego Padres. They're currently hitting 196 with runners in scoring position. 
there has been no team in baseball history to hit below 200 with runners in scoring position. They are dealing a little bit with the Manny Machado injury, but I think that this Padres offense is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. You've got guys that are able to get on base for this team. As Andrew Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr., both hitting right around 275, and for Tatis, he's getting a home run every about 20 or so at bats. Juan Soto over the last three weeks has been a well above a 300. Now it's up to guys like Awesome Kim, who's hitting at 235, and then all these guys are hitting at 220 or lower entering into the series. The entire catcher's spot for Christian, Matt Carpenter, Jake Cronenworth to be able to pick it up. But I mean, even if you don't get a lot of production out of the San Diego Padres, where you probably are going to get production, the uh, Boston Red Sox says, the Red Sox, they are 29-13 and 1 to the over thus far this season, entering into Friday, hitting at 272 as a collective, as second in the league, averaging 5.6 runs per contest, and you just have a lot of guys that in general are able to reach base. As you've got Masataka Yoshida, Rob Rev Snyder, Alex Verdugo, all providing at least a 380 on base, Justin Turner hitting at 280. 368 on base. Now, you don't have a lot of guys pounding out a bunch of home runs. You've got one guy with north of six. That'd be Rafael Devers. He's been able to supply 11, but I mean, you've got great balance up and down this lineup as you've been able to have Emmanuel Valdez be able to hit about a 275 for this bunch. Jaron Duran hitting well above a 300 as well. And for the Red Sox, I am not impressed by this bullpen either. So even if you do see that positive progression with Chris Sale, you still got a Boston Red Sox bullpen that is 18th in terms of ERA. They did DFA Ryan Brazier, thank goodness gracious there. But not a lot of impressive arms for the team, along with John Schreiber being now on the injury list. He was one of my favorite relievers for the team. Josh Winkowski has been able to do a solid job. But as we know, Kenley Jansen cannot be trusted late in games. You've had north of a 5 ERA with the likes of a Richard Blyer. You've got Brendan Bernardino starting to see some regression. And for the San Diego Padres, bullpen has been looking a little bit better. They're now in the top 12 in terms of bullpen area. Josh Hader has been able to do a great job. And Tom Cosgrove has really been able to be a nice piece for the team. But Brian Honeywell is right around a 4 ERA. It's a little bit up and down. Stephen Wilson, I think that he does a solid job. But it has been a bullpen that has been a little bit all over the place this season as well. I do think that the Padres are going to be able to kick it into gear with regards to their offense. I think that the Boston Red Sox are also going to be able to get to Joe Musgrove, who's got a 6.63 ERA thus far this season, which is unfair because he had that start in Mexico City. But you take out the start of Mexico City, he's still allowing right around nine and a half hits per nine innings. He saw his north of a four ERA. He just has not been himself thus far this season. I think that both of these former All Stars give up some runs. I think that the Red Sox bullpen going to give up even more runs, so my DK Nation right up pick, that is going to be on the over, and with the Padres, want to lay up to about a minus 133 or so on this money line with them, and that wrap things up. For the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family and Podcast, if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter, so as for usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to on this podcast via that five-star review. Big thanks to Bill Rockford of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network for joining me in segment number two, coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.